We're back to coaching soccer from the trenches. Last time I shared with you how to do the preseason communication with parents. Uh, that's the thing that you have to worry about early. Remember, a key thing to take away from that is at this level, uh, parents are waiting for someone that can communicate with them about their child less than a coach. That'll be the biggest thing that'll get you or the league in trouble or complaints, if you want to go that way, not so much trouble, is that the parents aren't communicated with, and sometimes it is their fault, but you got to do your due diligence. And so that's why I tried to cover so much of that in the first podcast and set that up for you. And that was all including what happens before the first practice. Let's get on with the second one. The second one I promised you would be about the first practice of U6 and U8 and engaging the player. And this doesn't just include the first practice, but this is just going to kind of go through a sample of what we're dealing with as a little guy, little girl. And they, they, they vary slightly, but not so much at that age. At that point, they're still largely the same in the way they do things and their abilities. And you don't see, start to see separation about for that until about U9, U10, U11, that sort of thing. And then if you're around it a while, you're around sports a while, Around the middle school years, the girls are bigger than the boys for a year or two. And don't be surprised if the girls beat the boys at any sport around middle school. But then that starts to change again towards the end of middle school. But that's extra. So let's just talk about this other. So what I'm bringing to you today comes from not only from experience and over 25 years of coaching with every level from U6 boys and girls to high school, uh, the JV, varsity, boys and girls all ages in between, and I really love coaching. I'm an administrator for a club as well, but my heart is in coaching, and that's what I think I'm best at. So I'm gonna try to share some of that with you and impart what you might call some knowledge, if you wanna look at it that way. You're not gonna pay for this knowledge, so it might be worth just that. So I have a Y license. What is that? It's the National Youth License, and uh, I was scholarshiped and my state association put me through it and it was a blessing. I spent a week training how to deal with players at each age group. Uh, The first day we focused on U6, the second day players at U8, U10, and U12. There were four and a half days worth and it was wonderful. You, You also learn a lot of science. You don't just learn about soccer, you learn a lot about the kids. And that's why I'm gonna try to give you the the quick version of that as well. So what are we dealing with uh, when we're talking about these age groups? What are the characteristics of the child you'll be coaching? Okay, that's what you'll really matters. And, and this is science. This is also experience. So you're going to understand the U6 kids. Think about their ages. They're young. Most of the time, half the roster, if it's random, like it's supposed to be in rec, half the roster has been to kindergarten or is in kindergarten. And the other half of the roster is not yet in kindergarten in a lot of cases. You will know the difference. The ones not in kindergarten, almost all the time are the ones that uh, don't focus as well and don't understand instructions as well. And you'll, you'll learn that and that's okay. And it, there will be overlap for sure. But I noticed that immediately uh, in a lot of these kids. So that's part of it with the U6. Also physically, Okay, their, their heads are very big compared to the rest of their bodies. Reminds me of a Jerry Maguire scene, right? About talking about the human head, how much it weighs. I don't remember the figure, but that kid was pretty sharp and he was right. 
So you wonder why are these kids running around like crazy and they're always falling down on the ground? Well, a couple reasons. Their head is so heavy, it's disproportionately heavy. And it, it looks kind of funny at that age. Their limbs, their limbs aren't fluid. So you're liable to see a kid running with his left arm straight down, okay? And everything else is fine. Or the gait is just not clean, it's not fluid. You'll get fluid movers from time to time. And I know if you're the coach and you've got a kid out there, you probably think your kid is running fluidly. But the chances are not nearly as fluid as he or she will be eventually. You might have the kids or they look like they aren't bending their knees or their elbows when they run. That's okay. And, and part of what you build into coaching can include not just becoming better soccer players, but being more coordinated and more phys- physical, not in a football tackling sense, but just more of a balance and stamina sense. So keep those things in mind as you're coaching kids. You're trying to give them recreational opportunities, uh, get their heart rates up, burn some energy, make some friends, and that sort of thing. Speaking of friends, you're going to see, you know, they'll walk up together and things like that, but kids at that level, they aren't teammates. They're individuals that come together. So when I coach older kids and we're coaching the back four, I say, let's talk about being four times one versus one times four. Same amount of players, but the, the focus on four times one is your one unit, four of you. One times four, four kids acting separately, doing their own thing. Well, you're going to have however many kids on your roster acting separately. And you're thinking, oh, uh, you know, Timmy and Marsha, they are teammates. They're, they really work well together. They, they really don't. That's not what they're doing. They do something at that age a lot of times called parallel play. And it's they're copying each other a lot of times. Now, you might find the rarity where they actually work together. That's what you'll see at the U8 level a little bit more. But at the U6 level, it's about me, 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 me. And they don't see it other ways. And that is not their fault, okay? That's just the way they're programmed. So keep that in mind and be patient with that. So that is why each kid needs a ball. So at this age, you're using a size three. Encourage the parents to get a size three ball, nothing like a rubber ball, a decent soccer ball. It doesn't have to be that great. And get a size three and uh, they'll still use a size three also at U8, okay? It won't be until U10 where they'll use a size four and at U12 where they'll use a size four, okay? The larger ones that the pros use, college and anything above U12 is a size five, okay? So get get an outdoor ball if you're playing outdoor, obviously, but there are futsal balls. You don't want to buy one of those for outdoor practice, but they're good to use for the yard around the house, that sort of thing, because they're heavy, but that's for training purposes for outdoor players more so than playing outside. Okay. Don't get an indoor ball. So just get a use to get a, get a size three ball. A lot of times the local sporting goods stores, uh, places like that will have discounts for little leagues and things like that. So that's one thing you could do. Uh, now the league will probably furnish you with some balls. Okay. So they won't probably furnish you with a ball for every kid, but if you can, if that happens, that's great. They'll probably furnish you with enough for like half of your players, but they'll give you some. Uh, some leagues will give you everything. Some leagues may give you nothing or no guidance. So that's why I'm trying to do this for you. Okay. So the U6 player is again a me player, me first, one to one ratio with the ball, and we're going to take advantage of that. 
you start asking him to wait in line, you start asking her to listen to five instructions before you take off and do the drill and explain the drill, you're done. Okay, first of all, we aren't drilling. It's activities. And I even use that at the high school level. I don't like to use the word drill. It just makes you think of lines and waiting. We know repetition is good, but we're going to put their feet on the ball and try to get them to use the correct surfaces. And the best way to do that is each one of them have a ball to put their foot on. And we're going to trick them into doing soccer-like moves. What you're seeing will not be soccer. The stuff they're doing will look like something resembling bad soccer. Things that they're pl- they're playing at soccer. Okay, they're trying they're they're trying to manipulate the ball. They're not knocking the ball around. They're not doing good things with the ball so much. So keep that in mind. Don't grow frustrated. That won't be your fault. You're in a, you're investing in that kid. You're investing in those players. The what you do now will be seen at U10. Okay, so don't worry about what you're doing now. Don't worry about the record and that sort of thing. Okay, U8, the U8 kid. Now that's a lot of the characteristics in your average town are a lot like what I just described to you at U6. They're gonna be a little bigger. They're gonna be a little more fluid. They're gonna move better. They're gonna cut quicker, but cutting is a relative term. But some of them will. They'll accelerate better. They'll slow down better. Their lateral speed will be better, but it's not gonna be good, okay? And don't celebrate the kid that's the fastest or the quickest because in three years, that kid won't be. So keep that in mind. They play with, I like to keep one-to-one ratio with the ball as well, one ball, one kid. But at U8, you can do a lot of things where they're paired. Two kids, one ball. That doesn't mean the same two kids at practice, just playing back and forth. We'll, we'll talk about some of the games we can play to get them active and get them moving. And I say two to one ratio. Eight kids, four balls, but that doesn't mean two kids are sharing one ball. It means eight kids are sharing four balls. And there are all kinds of things you can do to kind of recreate the environment that'll make them think more like soccer, which is not a coach's game. Soccer is a player's game. If you think you want to bring a whistle to practice, think again. No whistles. The only person that would have a whistle would be the referee. Kids need to hear voice commands. You need to give voice commands. And that's it. Don't be blowing whistles. That sort of thing. You're going to be coaching. And you have to realize sometimes the coaches that coach the least are actually coaching the most. And I'll repeat that several times throughout my podcasts. You don't have to be out there screaming, yelling. The parents may think you're doing a great thing, but really in the end, uh, you're just producing a kid that is not thinking for him or herself. What you're trying to do is get that kid to think for him or herself because you're on the sidelines and you don't have timeouts in soccer and they've got to think, but you're going to present opportunities through time. But you six and you eight, pump the brakes on that. You will not have a well-oiled machine. You'll realize that all you got to have is, I don't know, two, three decent players, you'll dominate with two good players in most leagues at U6.
okay now, let's get into practice. Kids are arriving, things are going on. You gotta, you, they're showing up and maybe it's your first time or your first new kids and it's always nerve wracking. I've been teaching over 27 years and we get new students twice a year, in the fall and in the winter, and two semesters. I've never not been a little nervous on day one. I'm always that way with my new team. So here they are, they're arriving. Oh no, here come these little monsters. And they don't know who you are and their parents are trusting this safe stranger. You've already gone through all the background checks and all the hurdles you've got to go through and it's nerve wracking and it's a pain. It really is. So thanks in advance from the club administrator. So you've got to arrive well before the kids. And what's hard is sometimes you're stacked on how you schedule the field. I talked to you about that a little bit, so that's why I recommended maybe a Monday practice. Less fields to compete. You might get half a field. That's fine. We, we practice varsity and JV on each half of one field. If big kids can do it, little kids can do it, and there are ways to adapt on all that. So you've got to show up early. So not super early, but early enough to set up. And ha- when the kids are arriving, you're not trying to set up and they're running around getting in trouble, possibly getting hurt, okay? So you might wanna walk the field kinda quick, just say, hey, there's a, you find like a big hole, you know, you might have to take some sand or something out there, find the, the, the league, the, the park might have something like that, fill in some hole, I mean, you're not the grounds crew, but look around, be cognizant of those things. Um, the, the goals, we wanna keep kids off the goals. They don't need to ever hang on the goals, extremely dangerous extremely dangerous locally we had a child hang on a goal not my league but the goals came down and and crushed her jaw and in, into her face and had reconstructive surgery she's she's fine she's going to make a full recovery but imagine actually her upper mouth um, right under her nose being caved in by a goal falling on her so not trying to be awful and scary to death, but you have some of those obligations to be to make sure the kids are safe. When you get to practice, we don't shoot on the goals. That's the worst thing to happen. I almost wish we didn't have goals at practice. That's an American problem. That's what the Europeans say, but kids like to shoot. So if you have some things set up, well, when they show up, we're, we're safe, we're, but we're playing. So... I, before they get there, I set up a grid, probably about 20 by 30, 20 by 20. You eyeball it, enough for eight kids to romp around in. Uh, I make a big area, not quite half the field, but made from the half line to the top of the penalty area, which is the line coming out from the goal. And there's, there's stuff around. You don't even have to go maybe to the bottom of the arc at the half line. But you know, you gotta use your visual here. It's it's smaller than a half, okay? Leave 10 yards, five to 10 yards on each side of the half. And that's my island, okay? But right now I'm gonna ignore that for now. And that's gonna be the same color of cone if you can pull that off, okay? And the more, the younger the kids are, the more cones they need because they don't know in their mind that there's an imaginary line between cones like you and I do. No, the more the better. You know, if you could lay them side by side touching, but I mean, that's impossible, it's silly, but they, they, you'll get my drift later on, but you'll want to make sure that you defined the area and uh, you'll have to train them in those little things. So have that set up, put, now, 
once you've done that, put, you know, put it out of your mind. Now you're going to set up, um, probably if you have eight kids, for example, let's, we'll have two, two grids. Even if you have 10 kids, two grids, let's say they're 10 by 10 yards. Okay. Eight by eight yards. Eyeball it. But I think eight by eight, 10 by 10 is good. Okay. Two of those. Now put them not end to end, but a little bit of a gap between the two. And in the middle, in the middle of each grid, let's go back to one grid. Let's say there's one grid, but you're going to do this times two. In the middle of the one grid, you need to have a little stack of balls, okay? Um, pile balls might be a better way to say it. And we're going to start off as kids arrive playing these games, okay? So the first one kid arrives, that's one thing. The second the kid arrives, now you're starting, three arrive, now you're starting to need someone for them to go. So here's the game, okay? It's called steal a ball. And five balls are in the middle, and there's a kid at each cone. That's your home cone, okay? Now, if it's Easter or Halloween or some season or however you want to say it, season, at Halloween, that your candy basket is the cone, and each ball represents the candy. See, what I'm talking about getting on their level, it's silly. At Easter, you got the Easter basket at each corner, and, you know, you got the eggs representing the ball. We can just call it steal a ball, but some kids will literally cry because they're told that stealing is mean. So, gotta be careful. Also, side note, when a kid comes to practice and brings his or her own ball, he, she has trouble parting with that ball. Sometimes it's a big issue. You gotta kinda laugh inside and scream inside at the same time and try to pair that kid up with his or her ball. Tell him, trust me, the ball will get back to you, okay? But there will be kids their code of ethics does not allow this game to happen or other games because sometimes they're taught if you take something away from someone it's mean and if they get something taken from them they'll cry even if it's the rules so so back to that okay have fun with that by the way you can have fun here's another thing you have fun with our our complex has a train that goes by right in the middle of practice most evenings you, you don't try to coach through that. Don't even try. Just say, hey, there's a train. Everyone wave. It, it, you know, own it. Just, it's fine. If a dog runs around, you know, through the complex, let's point, laugh. Do it. Fine. We don't have to. We don't have to pretend like it's not there. We don't have to pretend like the kids have to play through that. They're little kids. They're not gonna. So don't try. Own it. Embrace it. Use it to your advantage. They're gonna like you more for that, okay? So let let your guard down, okay? We don't have to have that coach blowing the whistle, yelling. You know, we're interacting with the kids, we're talking to them, okay? That's what you're there for. So back to the game. You got the 10 by 10 grid. You got five balls in the middle. You got four kids in each corner. Now, you don't have to have four kids as they're arriving, just insert kids or wait for one of the sections to be over and put them in. And when there's overflow, start to put them into the second one. If five kids show up, put a fifth cone, make it shaped like a star versus a box, something like that, or a pentagon might be a better way to say it, and maybe add one ball, and then you got five kids and six balls in the middle. So they're be, be flexible. We're gonna make sure every kid's moving. So the goal is each kid has his or her own corner. Okay? The first kid to get three goals in the box wins. No, excuse me, three balls at each corner. Three balls at each corner wins. Now, here's what you tell them though. One step at a time. Management here. Don't tell them 
everything all at once. Don't explain the six rules up front. Because here's what, here, I'm going to explain it to you. Okay? Each kid has a corner. That's his corner. His home base. Home base is a good way to call it. Your goal, your job is to get three balls to your corner. The first player to get three balls to his or her corner wins. And don't be surprised if your first team at that age is co-ed. Fine. Okay? Now, it's called steal a ball because player A might have two balls. Player B recognizes that, that player is about to win. Player B can go steal a ball from player A to take to his or her own corner. And that's what's going to happen. Kids are going to, pretty soon, all the balls are going to be at different corners. Okay? Also, the balls are going to be at kids' feet getting to their corner. They can't kick it to their corner. They've got to dribble it to their corner and stop it at their corner. At their corner, not blast it out there and that sort of thing. So that's the goal because we're controlling it with our surfaces, our bottom of our foot, our top of our foot, our sides of our foot. That's fun, okay? So the first kid to get three wins and then you just start it over. But I've seen these games last five to six minutes because neither kid will let the other team win. Okay, so another thing, one ball at a time. You cannot dribble two balls at a time. And if they go grab it with their hands, the parents can be screaming from the side, no, 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 don't do that. Just say, hey, you gotta use your feet, guys. You know, can't use your hands. So don't be surprised if a kid picks up a ball. They're, he's four, she's five. Let him, let him pick it up and say, but, but the rules say you gotta use your feet, so let's put it down, use our feet. Okay, so maybe you got a goalkeeper in training. Okay, so, but we're going to use our feet. Also, if a kid is dribbling to his corner with a ball, you cannot steal it off that kid. Okay, they cannot steal it off one another. Okay, and here's another rule. I think we said one ball at a time. Oh, here's a big one. Some kids realize I'm just going to guard my corner. So if the kid's gonna take the ball out of my corner, I'm gonna kinda shield off. I'm gonna kinda box them out. Can't do that. So you don't tell them that at once though. You just say, okay guys, you each have a corner. First one to get three balls in your corner wins. So as they're breaking the rules, you're fixing the rules. You're clarifying one at a time. No, you can only take one. No, can't take it off somebody. Okay, you can't guard your corner. So you're, as you see these things happen, as they're playing the game, that's when you explain the rules. Don't try to give them a list of rules up front. It will fail and they're done with you. So as they're playing, you teach them in the game. That way you're teaching them to think in the game because soccer is a thinking game, okay? Coach, you need to get out of the way sometimes, let the kids think. And then after, and kids are arriving, and you're getting kids jumping in and maybe the, the field that was a, you added a fifth cone and, you know, maybe put it back at the other place. Maybe you have two triangle fields, work with it, okay? Just as long as each kid has a, a home base and there are balls, the first one to get three wins and just start it over. Mix the kids up here and there. Play two or three rounds of that, maybe four. It depends on if they're going with it or not, okay? They're dribbling. They're burning energy. Dribbling is an essential skill and you are tricking them into dribbling, okay? They're dribbling. 
Don't have to tell them they're dribbling. You can tell them they're dribbling soccer when it's over. You don't have to tell them they're dribbling the ball at all. But you can say, hey guys, what you do is called dribbling in soccer. In basketball, we dribble with our hands. In soccer, we dribble with our feet. So you're, you're dribbling, okay? What you can't do is tackle. That means taking the ball off somebody. You know, you can't do that. Not, not in this game. Later on, we can do that. But in this game, we're dribbling. So tell them that as they're playing, okay? Don't, don't bother them while they're playing. They don't want you to bother them while they're playing. If they get red-faced and sweaty and let them go a little more, let them get a drink, maybe let them do it one more time, okay? So get a quick water break, get a drink, come on back. This is fun, you know? Act like you're having as much fun as they are. All right, some are gonna wanna fall out and say, no, you're doing great, keep coming. You're doing great. You'll, you'll be better next time. So this is just, I'm, I'm just showing you what they, I do as, as the kids arrive, not every practice, but I've, I've got them busy as they're arriving. I'm moving them around. I'm talking to them. They're burning off some energy. Kids are gonna be arriving at different times. They will not, half the team won't be on time, okay? I mean, I hope they are. But that's, that's how that goes in that game. Steal a ball is just a great thing. I love using it as a warm-up in high school. They love it. And those games, if I let them go, they might last 10 minutes. I'm not kidding you. Four kids in corners, three balls, they, they won't win. And that, that's another thing. You can have a little quick discussion while they're taking a breather, while they're getting the drink, or you're over there with them. Hey, What's the goal? What are we trying to do here? Let them answer the questions. You might have to like spiral the questions for them to get to the answer. But really what you're trying to do is get them to think and answer. Well, I want to win. Yeah, okay. But what about if you noticed, what's another thing you're trying to do? What did you notice, Sam, I saw you do to Peter when he was already doing something else? About to win. He's like, oh, oh, I, I, you, you have to win, but you, you have to keep another person from winning. So have that conversation with those kids and let them realize they're thinking. That's right. Not only are you trying to get three, but you're trying to keep someone else from getting three. Good job, okay? And get on and get in with that point and get out with that point, okay? It's always good for the parents to overhear that you're also talking to their kids, excuse me, and trying to get them to think as well. So that is my way of saying, let's explain the rules we arrived and we're explaining the game rules one step at a time. I'll come back with some other ideas for games. My next segment, I'll talk to you about some of the equipment you might use and some of the ways you can get going in that first practice and to get practice started anytime exactly. But you really need to set a decent tone in that first practice, okay? Now what I do, and this may be cheesy and corny, and here I am, you know, coaching um, upper level kids that have played college, and uh, I've seen that boys and girls. But when you coach U6, U8, you you aren't you got to transform yourself. You got to get on their level quite a bit. You got to be a little bit goofy. You got to reach them. And again, they won't know me from Adam, what I've coached or what I've done or not done. So keep in mind, I'm just like you, coaching from the trenches. I've done it all, and I still do it all. Uh, so let's look at the thought process here of a coloring page. Why would you give each kid a coloring page? So 
let, let, let me explain. I get on Google and I do an image search and I find, I Google something like a uh, young soccer player, uh, soccer color page, girl soccer coloring page or something like that. Okay, look around, pick the ones you want and then I'll kind of cut and paste them onto a document, Word or Google Docs or something like that. Now what I do at the bottom of that is I have, and it's gotta be a little simplistic, it's gotta be for little kids, it's nothing complex. But what you're looking for is a kid with shin guards, um, cleats, a lot of times uh, in a ponytail with a girl. Uh, That's what we're trying to get to here. We're trying to train them how to dress properly. And in fact, you can kind of train them a little bit through a coloring page how to how to uh, pick a good drink to come to practice with because trust me kids will be walking up with with big gulps full of full of you know atomic mountain dew and you know big slushies and that is exactly what we want to discourage at least during training so sometimes you're training the parents with these coloring pages so what I'll do is I'll say at the bottom and I'll put the referee likes this player's outfit she is not wearing earrings now if the girl in the picture is wearing earrings and you maybe throw males in there too you say the referee will tell this player to take off his her earrings so if it's you know girls you get a girl's book a page and if it's boys you get a boys page obviously say this player has shin guards, hair in a ponytail, and is ready to play. All right, so you wanna make sure you do that. Socks are pulled up outside of the shin guards. Here, I mean, it's whenever I get a new team, kids I've never seen, and the kid walks up with blue jeans, and his shin guards are outside the blue jeans, inside my eyeballs are just rolling. I don't do that externally, maybe I do, but when I see that, I just get a little creepy crawly inside. So these coloring pages will do something like that, okay? Uh, so kids aren't supposed to wear earrings, it's good for the, them to wear ponytails. You don't need barrettes and hair bows, bad. Those are not good, those are not safe. In fact, they're unsafe, okay? So keep that in mind, you don't need bracelets, so, you know, kind of pick that in there. You might, you know, mention that in there. Just a little, tiny little caption with that information on it. Print a page out for each kid. Maybe print out twice as many because each kid sometimes comes with a little brother or sister. So maybe you want a little girl and a little boy stack. So do that and pass those out. You'd be surprised, you know, how that's received the parents later might say hey good idea pass that along you know pay that one forward okay and that was my idea i didn't steal that from anyone a lot of these things i steal from other people okay so that side is important that thing is important and i'm just trying to give you management type of ideas as well for example let's establish two sides there's a team side with the bench Hopefully there's a bench. There's not always a bench. Sometimes it's the ground. Then there's the parent side, okay? Now some kids will come up holding mom's hand, gripping, iron grip. You know, you need to get that kid out there, okay? So the parents, it's better off 
the parents are on the other side of the field from the players, okay? So what you need on the player side are the, the supply of balls and the cones that this the league might furnish you. I like those little mini cones. You can buy 50 cheap, okay? You can't have, yet can't have too many and various colors is the best, okay? Quick Goal is a good brand, but there are a lot of good brands. So don't just settle for them, but K-W-I-K, Goal. Um, pennies, pennies are little scrimmage vests. I would have um, two, or th- two colors perhaps, maybe three if you're lucky and probably, you know, at least four or five of one color so you can have teams matched up out there. If you can, in that coloring book, encourage them to wear something neutral, like, hey, everyone wear white. It doesn't have to be the same white shirt, just a t-shirt. It can say, you know, Meadowbrook Elementary School or whatever. Uh, it can say Dallas Cowboys or it can be water. Pick gray. Something that you know everyone's going to have and have them wear that top to practice. And that way when you divide them up into teams when you need to, you don't have eight different colors. Okay? And little kids love tie-dye. I cringe, but that's what they wear. Okay? And bumblebee socks. And that's part of being a little kid. But we kind of we, we tolerate that. But at the tops, so they can be water gray and you have those pennies. Scrimmage vest. P-I-N-N-I-E-S is how we're spelling that, by the way. So that's a little bit of management, and I'll tell you why, okay? You re- the parents will appreciate this as well, okay? You've got, if you, the kids will take their water bottles to the team side, and the parents are on the parent side, it makes it better for everyone. You don't have the kids running and sitting on the laps all the time. I really almost never, once I figured this out, never had a kid want mom or dad during practice. Once I figured some of this stuff, I'm passing along to you out. And once, you know, I won't say it never happens, but I'm trying to give you some management things to take care of you. Okay. So they got the water bottle. You you might even have a water jug and some cups to take out there that are disposable for the kids to drink out of because there's always that kid that won't have something, okay? So encourage them to get over there and separate. So that's one big thing for you, okay? I've kind of mentioned the, the, the equipment that you're gonna use with the size three ball, pennies, the little mini cones are great. Um, leagues do that all the time for you. If, if there's someone asks you to coach, well, ask them about the equipment. Just beg for equipment, just say, hey, I need some more equipment. You know, it, it doesn't hurt to bother bother or pester the league administrator, the equipment manager, okay? They just know you're trying to do a good job for your kids. That's all you can do. So we've got all that. We've got the two sides. I would, and again, I'm, I'm talking about management. Our, our practices at U6 and U8 are 45 minutes long. Sometimes they're 40, sometimes they're 55, but let's Let's tell the parents they're 45 minutes. Okay? That's about right. That's about how long the games are going to be, the game minutes. That's a good rule of thumb. So, you know, at the high school level, maybe they're practicing two hours. I've even learned you can get efficient practices done in an hour and a half to hour and 45 that are much better than two-hour practices. So let's have good practices. We don't have to have long practices. We're not trying to impress people. We're also not trying to cop out of doing the work. Okay? 
so about 45 minutes, which means you'll need five or six activities. And I'll talk about activities in another segment, but have five or six activities planned, okay? You'll need some favorites as well. The kids will be asking you to play certain things, or I learned this last year from this coach, and you can ask them to explain that to you later. Let them have a little bit of their own time sometimes. Give them a practice one time or something, but it's your practice. You're the coach. So I say five or six. You think, well, that's fine. No, you're going you're gonna to find that the second thing you do stinks. The kids hate it, and you realize you got to go to plan B, okay? You might have, if you have to go through plan B, C, D, E, and F, that's okay, but you need to need to learn how to work your activities in, okay? You don't have to do all of your activities, but I would say have five or six different activities planned. You don't want to be, and I'm a teacher, you don't want to be like the new teacher that thought you had a good lesson, and then there's an hour and a half of class, and you're done, and you're still 45 minutes to go. That's asking for a big fail. So don't do that, okay? Scrimmages are good. We'll talk, you, you, you should scrimmage at the end. 4v4, 3v3 at U6, 4v4 at U8. Don't make anyone sit out if you have to do a 4v4 plus a neutral, 3v3 plus a neutral, plus two neutral. It's okay to have 4v4 at the wrong ages or rotate them out quickly. You can give them activities like ball touches or something uh, when they're quote unquote resting. So we always want to keep the kids active as much as we can. Parents will appreciate that. They'll sleep well. So keep that in mind. Now, regarding the water breaks, don't think back to your high school football days or your volleyball days when you you practiced, you got two water breaks in a three hour, a two hour practice. That's not how you need to do this at all. My thing is you do an activity. Hey kids, run and grab some water, come back. You will find that if you do that, you keep the water, the two sides separate. You put the bench on one side. You put the parents on the other side. The kids will go up, get their drink. Now, someone want to sit and lollygag. You have to get over there and make sure no one's spraying water on each other. That That's a fun, that's a fun one, okay? You might have one parent help be your assistant to help you manage the sideline during the games or during practice or both. Let's establish some things. We don't squirt water on each other during the water breaks and that sort of thing. So between, I would say almost between every activity, just let them go grab a drink, give them just a quick drink and get them back over. And you'll find that they don't get, act like they're like they're worn out. If they realize they go hard, they're gonna get a break. They'll, they'll come back almost all the time. Trust me, okay? So we're talking after eight to 10 minutes of activity, water break, okay? So, if you can tell that they're all just beat, you know, call it early and give them a water break. Don't call practice early, but call out the activity early, okay? So, let them know that they're going to have water breaks, they're going to have rests, they're little. Their little bodies overheat, and they literally don't transfer heat well. They literally don't cool down well. Their bodies don't regulate internally like adults. So, they'll be beet red, they'll be... And, and they'll think they're fine, but they're not. You gotta cool them down. And that's a good building several things in together, okay? So that's what I would ex- expect and say is, is some tips to help you out. And that's really gonna help you out going forward and establishing those 
in, in yourself and some expectations and the kids will be engaged. I'm not done, but take a break. Okay, we're on maybe hopefully this last segment here. I'm just kind of keeping my eye on things and giving you breaks every once in a while. Maybe you're listening in a car or uh, working out. Golly, if you're working out to this, you, maybe your life is sadder than I think because I'm, I'm trying to be informational. Uh, it can't be good. And this is just my second one and I'm, I'm working on it. You know, I'm coaching from the trenches, coaching soccer from the trenches. And I get that name because I... You know, I've coached at different levels. I have a national license. I've coached, uh, you know, the All-Staters. Uh, I've been a college player. I've got a couple of national licenses. But in the end, in my community, I'm just a guy. And the kids don't know me from anyone else. And they don't care. So I'm passing things on to you just like I've done to many co- new coaches face-to-face. If you're an old coach, old to the game, or maybe you played many years and you're learning that you can't run a U6 or a U8 practice like the way you remembered it in high school, you know, that sort of thing, then this may be helpful to you, hopefully. So let's go on with some of the new games and different variety of games you could play. You know, I left you on that last segment. We I told you you make the, the large uh, box or grid, if you want to call it. You can use the word box or grid. Start introducing that to the kids. And you played steal a ball somewhere maybe inside of that maybe somewhere else off to the side okay too many cones around kids won't be able to tell things apart so gotta be careful i recommend you you've you've got that big box around the area with five to ten yards left to the sideline okay um you know that's the island so each kid has a ball on the island and if you're u6 each kid has a ball and you give them uh you know say I'm going to give you a minute to go explore the island and just let them take off let them dribble anywhere into that area okay and stay in that area because if they get off the island what's out in the big ocean around there sharks so get close to the edge but don't get near the sharks and that's what you'll want to do you got to play those kind of games with kids if it's not sharks do them come up with something else you don't want to say be robotic and tell them nope you can't go out of bounds just say you know Hear this imaginary line and use these cones, and you want to stay on your island. Uh-oh, be careful in those sort of things. Um, if it's if it's U8, you've already done the one-to-one ratio if you did steal a ball. U8, you can have them go around in pairs and just pass the ball around together. Now, you can do it individually as well here too, and then say, okay, now after a quick break, all right, now to not even a break, just say, okay, now here, put them in pairs based on where they're standing or something. And you two are going to pass the ball back and forth. And you want to encourage them to use the insides of their feet, the tops of their feet. We definitely keep the ball off the toe at this point. Because what you're going to find out in a game or something, a scrimmage, some kid away from the crowd is going to blast, toe blast a ball up into the faces of the kids playing. And that creates injuries. It's like an uppercut to the nose or the jaw. And um, I've seen some pretty nasty little hits. No one's been... I've seen a bloody nose, but I haven't seen anyone really get hurt. But as far as a kid, side of the face, you know, they don't like that. And if you're where I live, it can be kind of chilly in March. So the ball gets hard and it's cold. It doesn't help a thing to get hit in the face. So keep it down. But we're just knocking it back and forth. Hey, stay closer together. You, you want to be about, you know, 
little further than those two over there, you know, just talk to them as they're doing it, okay? Then that gets boring real quick, okay? So that's fine. So you trying to kind of, you know, tell them to stop for a second. And now you've got like, the, the cones are still around the perimeter, but you've got different cones in your hand. Hopefully you got different colors, okay? And so you got a stack of cones in your hand and you say, okay, now uh, you're gonna stay on the island, but you're gonna dodge the cones and you don't wanna get hit by the cones or the UFOs or whatever you wanna call them. So they're supposed to stay on the island and you're kind of chasing kids around. Imagine this. It sounds like I'm being a bully and I'm not. But I've got this stack of cones. And I'm running around randomly pretending like I'm going to toss. And I'm just gently tossing a cone towards a kid's feet. And my job is to get that kid to get away from me and make a quote-unquote escape move. Okay? Now, don't get out. Don't let the sharks get you. Stay on the island. Okay? Don't, don't leave the ball behind. you got to take the ball with you. And that sort of thing. Okay, pretend like you're gonna you chase a kid down for a few seconds. I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you. Let him or her cackle and dribble off. Don't ever toss it, you know. You can toss it, you know. And if they if you hit him with the toss, it doesn't matter. You're not hurting, you're not slinging, you're, you're just ba- barely tossing a soft cone in their direction. And if it hits them in the lower leg or the ankle, eh, so what? Okay, they get a kick out of that. All right. They have fun with that. They're giggling. Maybe you can do get that done. Okay. Guys, I got the cones. Le- leave leave those on the outside there. Pick all the others and bring them to me. Okay. So y- y- you bring them to the kid. Now there's always that kid that comes and he wants to wear the cone on top of his head. So you might have a challenge. Okay. Can you dribble around and keep that thing on your head without it falling down? That sort of thing. Just play with it again. Or turn that into a game in itself. But... What you want to do is say things to, like, and then dribble like a cheetah. They're going to go fast. Dribble like a turtle. You know, make up stuff. Okay? You're just trying to get them to be silly. Okay? So, you know, you do that a couple of times, and then you've gotten used to that. You, each t- each turn, you have the kids return the cones that you tossed back to you. Okay? Maybe have a quick break. Get a water break. Like I said, leave the outer cones there. Okay, um, you do it maybe one more time, or maybe on that last time, you let the cones out on the field. And sometimes I'll find myself not, I'll just, on that last one, I know what I'm going to do next. I'm going to have them dribble around cones or dribble through cones, and I'm going to toss the cones in a more dispersed pattern around the field um, on purpose, not just chasing a kid per se. So now I've left those cones out there. The new game is, the turtles are out there. Each cone's a turtle. Okay. Uh, don't wake up the turtles. You want to scurry around the turtles. Dribble around the turtles. Can you ch- can you touch the ball with every step you take? How about let's use just the right foot now? Okay, now let's just use the left foot only. Okay. Or you can say, pick your strong foot. That might be better for them. Pick a strong foot. Dribble just with that foot, inside, outside of the feet, top of the feet, but not, not the toe, okay? Um, go with the weak foot now. Go with your weaker foot. Don't worry if it's weaker. You're going to get better. Just keep it up. Just good job, okay? And then if it's U8s, you can have them uh, pass together between the cones, okay? You know, pass through between the cones to each other. 
like five, six yards apart just with the inside of your foot, just gently, or gently with the top of your foot with your with your laces or your instep. So you're doing that. You're, that's where you get your two-to-one ratios and partners, okay? So you're doing that. Um, do that a couple times. It's fun. And then... You know that's that's fun. That's a that's what you call a maze game. It's, it's it's random. Don't go to the same place. Don't just go in a circle. Visit all different ones. Do that a couple of times. You know, set the timer. Set the timer and say, okay, uh, how many gates can you go through? If you want to call them gates, go ahead. If you don't want to time it, just don't tell them what you're doing. Okay. Do that a couple of times. Stop. Now, the cones are still out there. They're still turtles. Now. How many turtles can you wake up in 30 seconds or a minute? Pick a time. If you realize a minute's long, they're not going to know if you stopped it at 45 seconds. But I'm going to time it. I'm going to give you 45 seconds. Pick a time. How many can you wake up? And that, what you do is when you wake them up, you're wanting them to dribble up slow, to get under control to a cone, you know, kind of quickly touch the cone, with the ball to pop wake the turtle up go to another turtle quick how many can you get to and they're gonna report back hey i got six i got seven some will get a hundred it doesn't matter some won't know the second time around you can say okay your job is to get more than you got last time do it again okay and that's about time to start being a little more creative in a different way you got the time down all right now um go to two red two red ones and two yellow ones or you know make up something okay or go to wake up a turtle and then dribble around one of the outside cones and come back in just you don't have to do this all in the same day just you know when you're getting to the limit of what you're going to do so that's that's what i like now you're done with the cones for a while. So ask the kids, put them in charge and, hey, bring me the cones, please. Can we put them in the same color? Piles or something like that. They like doing that, by the way. Let them do that. Or, hey, let's take the cones and get as many as you can and let's go to the sideline and get a drink. And you do that and you bring them back after a quick drink. A quick drink, okay? Two minutes, one minute. You know, give them a drink often between drills, remember? And now I've got what's called a fetch game. And a fetch game is good. Um, I'm in the imagine the coach in the middle, and each kid around me has a ball. Each kid separately. If it's you six, if it's you eight, you can do that too. Or if it's you eight, two kids together, one ball, and they're they're kind of standing around you like you're getting a team huddle. And you'll say, "Hey, everyone, you're gonna hand me a ball. Don't say throw me a ball. You're asking to get thrown ball thrown to you in your nose and other places." that will put you on America's Funniest Videos. And that's always a funny segment when it's you're not the guy that was the victim. So hand me the ball. And if they just try to toss it to you, just let it drop until they hand it to you. So one at a time, hand you a ball. So what they're doing, these kids are handing you a ball and just kind of tossing it out on the field, like out towards the edges of the field. And their job is to go run and get it quick and bring it back with their feet, dribble again. Okay, when you get it, bring it back like a turtle. Okay, bring it back like a cheetah. Okay, right foot only, left foot only. You know, do that. And when they're exhausted and they've done it, some will do it seven times, some will do it three times. Okay, it really doesn't matter. Okay, 
once they're done with that, you know, do that a couple times. U8s could do the pair. So, okay, I'm gonna throw it out and uh, you pass back and forth together on your way back in. So you gotta kind of show them that they're gonna have to face each other and kind of travel towards you sideways after a few tries that don't work. Don't say that up front, just say, all right, pair up and together you two are gonna bring it back to me together, passing it on your way here. So that's fun. Um, fetch games are fun. And they bring in a little bit of the focus. Oh, another one I like doing a fetch game. You toss the ball out randomly, okay? You tell them, all right, go get the ball, score in the goal, come back. And if you've got both sides of the field and you're standing in the middle, toss it different ways, pick a goal, it doesn't matter, or make them score them both, it doesn't matter. You know, you're not looking at their form. They're just playing. They're running around and they're tired. And then they're scoring, and they got to score. They go get the ball out of the net. They dribble it back to you, and then rinse and repeat. And again, give them a break when you're ready. And then and then there's one more thing, one more type of activity that I'll share with you, and it's a focus. I call it, can you do this? So you got the kids. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's like a semicircle around you, okay? And they're spaced out. It can be a circle around you. That's fine. But they need to be spaced out. Not in a perfect circle. But just where they're spaced out from each other. Maybe they're staggered. And you'll say, can you do this? And maybe you'll take the ball. And you'll you'll drop it on your knee. And you'll just pop it up to yourself. And you'll catch it. You'll pop it up and you'll catch it. Just just drop it. And the ones that are struggling, just say, hey, just, just kind of pick your knee up. Drop it. Now, they're really working on balance. Because these kids are going to have trouble standing on one foot. All right, use the other use the other leg. Let's let's switch legs. Okay? How about okay, can you do this and literally just stand on one leg without a don't hold the ball. We're not playing soccer. We're work, working on balance, coordination, and just kind of see if they can stand on one leg and hold their leg out and work on their balance and their skills, their coordination. Okay? All right, can you do this? Just a little quick chop the ball between your feet back and forth a couple times. And then after you do a few, you know, just say, hey, what's something that you can do? And let some kid show him his move and leave every kid a chance to have the other kids copy him or her just for a second. They They might just kind of pop it up off their head and catch it. It really doesn't matter, okay? And I do that sometimes when I can sense the kids are going wild and I'm, uh, they're, they're, you know, I'm like, hey, let's get in here. Bring it in here. Let's, can you do this? And so you try those things. Pretty soon, 45 minutes is gone. But I would say I would love you to do this. And this would be appreciated by everyone. Bust the kids up into two teams. Put pennies on one set. Kids, it's 4v4, 3v3. Let them play. Let them play for the last... 10, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Um, that's when you can kind of show them some of the rules and some of the things like that. That's a, a really good thing to do right there. Pretty soon your practice is over. It's enjoyable. And, you know, look up usysa.org or ususoccer.org. I can't remember what the site is off the top of my head. Your state or your local club may, your state... Uh, association will probably have games for kids that are appropriate okay I didn't tell you all the games that are appropriate there are just so many out there but it's like you know don't don't do a game okay if there's a game where you know 
you can play tag or something like that. The kid dribbles. As long as the kids are dribbling, they tag each other. You don't want kids sitting out. That's the thing about this. Change it to where, okay, so a kid gets tagged. Can he go outside the grid, have like 10 toe touches and get back in? When I say toe touches, it's like you're chopping your feet and you're touching your step, not putting your weight on the ball, but putting your weight on a standing foot and your other foot's just touching the bottom of the foot or back and forth between your feet or 10 dribbles. Come up with some get out of jail card for them to get back in the game. Okay, that's what you got to do at U6 and U8. So those are some things. Look it up at your youth uh, local club or at the state level. They're, they're going to have so many resources for you. And that's all I've got for this segment, this session. I appreciate you listening very much. This is Coaching Soccer from the Trenches, and I'll catch up with you later. So many things we can talk about. We start looking at U10 and U12 at the next step. Thank you. Thank you.